Welcome back, baseball fans, to another edition of the Prep Baseball Report of North Carolina Podcast. I'm Brandon Hall, your Mid-Atlantic Regional Scouting Director. He's Matt Payne, our North Carolina Director of Scouting. And we're going to talk to you a little bit about amateur and high school baseball here across North Carolina. Matt, how you doing? Good. Long week. We've been trying to catch up on a bunch of reports and getting a lot of info out. I think we had one day last week where we I think we knocked out like 11 reports, which for us is a heavy news day. You start thinking about all the other news things that are populating across PBR. You know, we're, we're posting 11 stories and trying to give those things time to breathe and, um, you know, populating all the information on those kids. But it's been good. A ton of website hits, a lot of interest on in that stuff that's been out there with Border Battle, Team Carolina Trials, uh, and a couple scout days that we've run. Yeah, a lot of stuff going out. Uh, it's been a busy month. Uh, good information recapping the state games from uh, last month. A lot of players featured in there and uh, getting ready for a big week ahead of us. Yeah, I think the 17 U's are at Lake Point right now playing in our, our PBR National Championships. So trying to follow that from afar, um, getting a lot of good reports on players that are playing really well down there. And, you know, some of those guys are guys that we're referencing in some of these reports now. So, you know, college coaches and pro scouts constantly you know, being able to see a little bit of uh, information now, in the past, possibly for the future, um, as we wind the summer down. But summer's not over yet. We got our biggest event of the year coming up as we head to Lake Point, me and you, next week, don't we? Yep. Future games, biggest event of the year, and uh, looking forward to it. Yeah. So explain explain the atmosphere for those that have not seen it or heard about it or been there. Obviously, at Lake Point, we have two four-field complexes that are you know, a 50-yard walk from one another, from one outfield fence to another outfield fence. It's, you know, what, 30 feet. But, you know, with, with the way this, the future games are run, walk us through that atmosphere and kind of what we expect to see, you know, day one of workouts. You know, uh, on workout day, they using several fields and offense going on on a field, defense going on on another, and they run the 60s. But – uh you walk in and it's slam packed and uh, you see all the jerseys uh, from all the states there. But uh, the biggest thing that stands out is all the college coaches. And, uh, you know, they're they're lined up everywhere and uh, going from field to field. And I know I'd heard about it before I ever went. And I think the first time I went, you walk in and you think maybe it's a regional deal or, or something like that. And then all of a sudden you see uh, Sarlos from TCU walking in, uh, gosh, from Oregon, the West Coast, too. And obviously all the East coast is there and uh, it's just, it, it's unreal that, you know, the seats they got behind home plate, I think are three or four rows deep. And, uh, and most of those are filled with college coaches along with those guys standing uh, around the, the, the main building by in between the fields and uh, then down the lines as well. And it's hard for us to get through there and walk without, uh, you know, stopping and, and, and speaking to yeah. people that, that we've seen over the years in the road to, to get where we're trying to go. Yeah, it's, it's, you know, I actually, my first time going to it was in Indianapolis. We have a facility up there and um, it was growing from a Midwest event into a national event at that point. Then we moved to Lake Point and we had always tried to do the workout on one field. Let's have every coach that's there on one field. And I think our first night, our first time at Lake Point, we tried that. <clears throat> and I think we started at 8 a.m. And I, I want to say you and I walked out of there like 1130. You know, it just and it was it was too long. It was it, it was too much going on, and and the day drug. Um, it was a lot of information for coaches, but as a, as a group, uh, as a company, we sat down and said, "Hey, we can utilize all four fields." 
And so we, we transitioned to, hey, we're going to have one group working out on field one, one we're working out on field four, and they're going to go through that. So then you had coaches kind of back and forth. You, most schools started bringing two coaches. And then it transitioned to, we need to use all four fields. There's going to be two offensive fields and two defensive fields. And you, we're just going to tell the coaches, it is what it is. And if you want to see everything, bring more guys. And the, and the schools, and, and our hope was the schools would do this, but we never, we didn't know. We didn't know if the schools were going to go, hey, we can't see anything. We're not coming. What the schools is, yep, we'll bring three guys. And so, you know, 400, 500 college coaches there, um, pro scouts, day one, it is. It's a little hectic trying to – and everything's on one four-field complex because the other sides are younger guys, um, which are the 14Us, are going through their junior future games, kind of giving some of the better players in that rising freshman class just a little taste of what the future games is. Um, and they get a good chance to be around those high school guys too. Um, but that then leads itself into gameplay. And when we go gameplay, really, we've only got two fields active at a time. Uh, you may be a little spillover on the, at the end of a game, into the beginning of the next, but really there's two games going on. And so coaches have a chance to really you know focus in on areas, uh, on players, and see just about every player that's there and get a read on them if they don't get a huge, a great evaluation over the four days. Yeah, it's, uh, you know, this year we're doing BP on the field before games. So not only will they get to see guys uh, on workout day, take BP, but uh, then come back and take it before a couple of our games down there. And I'm sure college coaches will be on hand for that. Yeah. And, and that's, you know, we, we talk about with the guys that come to our events, it's, you know, we're trying to get a good snapshot of the player. Um, and, and for these events that are a little bit longer, the snapshot grows and what we're able to kind of really see and really deem out of a player grows. And so, you know, that day one, 400 college coaches bearing down on BP. We've had some guys whose BPs honestly haven't been very good, but then two days later we take BP on the field again and we go, we go three or four rounds with them on that day. And now they're relaxed. They've been around it. Now the BP is better. Plus they had three or four hits in, in the, in the gameplay leading into that, you know, eyes were on them again for that BP display. And, and guys kind of get that second chance at this event sometimes to kind of uh, sit in there. It's really not an event geared towards offensive efficiency because, you know, we're going to hit, I think, 13, maybe 14 in our lineup, and pitchers are going to throw two, maybe three innings. And so very rarely is a hitter going to get a second at bat against the same arm. And so as a hitter, you can talk about just that general toughness and, you know, what hitters need to kind of be prompted for they're going to see lead arms and they're only going to get one shot at them. So it's almost like an all-star game type setting. And, you know, what's the, what's the expectation from a hitter standpoint? What should he be thinking about? And then from an evaluator standpoint, how are you evaluating that guy? Are you evaluating him on just does he get base hits? Yeah, you're, you're not going to face the same arm twice. You know, you get in there one at bat against him and, uh, you know, he's, he's more than likely only going two innings, so he's going to air it out. A uh, good chance you're going to get a fastball at some point. Uh, you know, really important to time them up on deck. Hunt a fastball. Be on time for fastball. And uh, if you get something else that looks stupid, you know, it's, it's, it's part of it. And evaluators know that. Evaluators know that uh, it's it favors the pitcher, but uh, they want to see guys get in there and, and show com- comfort, confidence, uh, be aggressive. They'd rather see you, you know, expand the zone maybe a little bit, but uh, get to see you swing the bat than uh, – you know, take a take a heater over the heart of the plate, and uh, then you got to worry about uh, two tough sliders to hit from the guy. Um, so they're they're looking at a lot more than results, and 
obviously they want to see bat speed and athleticism, but uh, a lot of it is can you can you get your feet in the ground and and uh, you know show comfort against the the, the high level arms that we'll see down there. Well, and that brings us to the guys that we're taking. Um, you know, our, our, we're going to kind of release some preview information, um, possibly starting Wednesday night. This obviously will air eventually on Thursday, but Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and the Monday and Tuesday of next week as we get ready for the workout day for t- the future games in Team Carolina. Um, you know, it's a twenty. Where we're going to have a twenty-four man roster, uh, players from North Carolina, South Carolina, representing Team Carolina. Uh, Players are going to get geared out a little bit. Mizuno's taking care of two different jerseys, some pants, socks, belt, hat. Um, you know, our MVP of each game is going to get a Dick's uh, Sporting Goods gift card. Uh, the top defensive catcher throughout the event is going to get some Diamond Cruise sunglasses. Um, what were some of the, uh, there was a couple other in there. You know, we have some other giveaways. A workout day uh, is being sponsored by uh, Webflex. Um you know, got some other things that, that players are going to be, you know, it's it's an ever-evolving world. And so players understanding kind of what some of these um, advertisers are could lead to NIL deals on down the line. Because I think you know, a lot of these companies now understand the NIL isn't necessarily a situation for we just go pay a player and then he goes to a school. You're actually seeing companies actively recruit players who have social media pre- presence, who have personality you know, who can kind of be directed, hey, if you're wearing this, other people will follow you. If you're, if you're doing these things, other people will follow you. And so this can be a start for some of these guys as they're, they're still two years away from college of kind of building that brand and being on the field. So, um, you know, and, and we're going to talk to our guys about that and how to handle all that stuff. But let's jump into the roster a little bit. Um, and, Matt, let's start with, um, you know, some of the pitchers team Carolina is taking down there that are from North Carolina. Uh, I know Gabe Murray, uh, Jake Kakovic, Austin Fetterspiel, Davis Cabbage, Micah Simpson, and William Leahy. Each one of those guys attended an event this year, and we got a chance to see them live in action, put our hands on them a little bit. Um, you know, walk us through. Let's start with Gabe Murray, uh, right handed pitcher out of the Fuqua area. And, you know, what you saw out of him at the Team Carolina Trials, Charlotte. Uh, high spin guy. Uh, not a big frame, but so it creates a little different release point angle right there. Uh, the the arm speed and the, and the spin jump for me at that event. And, yeah, the other, thing, the other thing he did is he ran a 6'6". Six, six. You know, so there's obviously some, some big time twitch in there. Um, our next two, Jake Kakovic, Austin Fetterspiel. Um, two guys that were preseason All-State events and, and two two big bodies. And, and, you know, one of the things that we're doing at this event is we are trying to project guys out. How many guys can we get to this event to have a chance to play in the big leagues? And you saw during the draft last week how many different videos were being put out of this guy was at future games. Now look at him being drafted in the third round. You know, these two guys have those frames where you go, it's easy to dream about what they could be in two years, five years, six years. Yeah, Kakovic, really good basketball player, uh, athletic, throws strikes. Um, just you know, the, the velocity is going to jump at some point. Really interested to see what he is is down in Georgia. But uh, you know, the the athleticism, dual sport guy, uh, a lot to dream on with him. And uh, you know, Fetterspiel's a, a bigger body kid that uh, showed well at some events and uh, got some arm strength in there. 
mean, he closed for East Forsyth for most of the year and was in some tight situations, and, and they played a bunch of close close games, and they basically got everybody's best shot because at one point in the year we had them nationally ranked and sitting at number one in our Power 25 poll before they ran into some injury issues and, and kind of uh, declined a little bit towards the end of the year. Um, you know, So I'm interested to see, like you said, how has that body progressed since last time we've seen him? We've gotten good reports over the summer. Um, the other three guys from North Carolina, we'll start with Micah Simpson, but Micah Simpson, William Leahy, and Davis Cabbage, three pitchability guys with two lefties, Simpson and Leahy. Uh, I, I know you're a big fan of Micah Simpson. What, what are we looking for out of, out of Micah as a member of Team Carolina? Uh, can really pitch. A uh, little bit different angle, release point left-hander. Uh, you know, he threw at the border battle and, and just – cut guys up so interested to see how uh how that plays against the hitters we'll see down there and um you, know, you mentioned davis cabbage uh a favorite in the 2025 class just athletic and uh really spin a breaking ball and then william lay he's a left-hander in the dirtbags organization was that one of their scout days this year and you know with all three of those guys it's high strike percentages it's attack of hitters it's the ability to attack in some different ways there's not necessarily a pitch you turn to those three guys and go, here's the pitch. If you get in trouble, just throw this and we'll get out of the inning. They all have to live ahead in the count. They all have to be able to pitch to zones. I think Micah has the ability to pitch up in the zone a little bit because his fastball does have some ride. Um, but they're, they're two and three pitch combination guys um, that if they can settle in pretty quickly, we've had some of those guys have really big success at events like this because they just flood the zone and keep the hitters on their heels. Yeah, and I think all three of those guys have more in the tank. Uh, you know, a little bit different in the developmental process body-wise, and, uh, you know, they, they definitely have some some growing to do. Let's move on to our infielders, and I, I think we've got an interesting group of kind of a mix of infielders too. We're, we're taking five from the state of North Carolina, um, and, and we've got really three that could profile as middle infielders. Matt McKnight kind of positions himself right now as a third baseman, but may flip back over in the middle at some point. But let's start with Wilmer Martinez and Xavier McQuarrie. Um, McQuarrie we saw at a preseason All-State event. Uh, Martinez as well at a preseason All-State event. And then we're able to track them through the um, high school year and kind of get a really good feel for what they were like, not only in workouts but in gameplay. Yeah, Wilmer. Uh, defensive ability stands out with him. Um, then, you know, right-handed hitter with some barrel feel. Started switch hitting not too long ago. Uh, did it at the All-State event. Uh, got reports he's done it this summer. Uh, it's progressing pretty well. I hope he does it uh, against some live arms down at the future games. Uh, also, personality. Uh, just seems like it would be a great guy to play with. You know, always always smiling. Got some energy. And uh, McCory, uh, left-handed hitter. Uh, the swing stood out at the All-State. And just ability to put barrel on the ball and got reports of him playing very well defensively this summer as well. And he's an interesting guy because he was playing behind some guys in high school and he's a baseball player. And so he just flipped out in the outfield and won a spot out there at Providence, you know, different ways of getting in the lineup and not saying that he didn't stick in the middle of the infield moving forward, but you, you don't ever know what the school you show up at, you know, they may have an all American playing shortstop already, you know? And so these guys, I think as baseball players, have that ability to adjust, adapt, and maybe figure out different ways to get in the lineup. Uh, Matt McKnight, another guy that's that's similar in that fashion, has been willing to you know move out of the middle infield. Has been playing a little bit more corner infield, um, but it's a different type of frame. We'll talk a little bit about Matt. Uh, I think he's highly skilled. 
what he does is is very relaxed and controlled. Um, you know, good swing path, skilled defensively, and uh, his frame's so long. You know, you don't know when when he's going to get that man strength, but uh, you know, when it comes, I think you're going to have a really dangerous player. The other two guys on the corner, maybe two of the top hitters at this event. You know, guys that that have really stood out to us over the last couple of years. Um, you know, Connor Robertson was a guy that we really had on our board last year to possibly take to the future games, and we ended up taking a couple 24s over him being a 25, knowing, hey, if he's not, if he doesn't commit, he's got another year, and then lo and behold, they change the rules. He's still available, and we're going to take him. Uh, and then also Caden Davidson, and Caden's got, you know, history and bloodlines in, in, uh, in, 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 in the family with high expectations from, you know, the high school program he's coming from and has really handled it all and continued to excel. Yeah, played played a big role there at T.C. Roberson this year. And, you know, brother was a first-round draft pick with Atlanta and uh, just just really hits. You know, he's a a well-known guy on the circuit. Uh, He'll have eyes on him down there and um, look forward to having him with us. And you talked about Connor. It feels like uh, every time he shows up at something or we see him during the high school season, he's he's driving something to the right center gap and – uh, you know, strong hands can hit, and uh, you know I think he's continued to progress defensively as well. As part of Team Carolina, North Carolina is supplying two of our four outfielders. Um, little different types of bodies, little different types of game in terms of what those two guys are going to supply Team Carolina with for the week. Let's start with Ian Williams from Wake Forest High School. Uh, can can go get it in center. Uh, you know, played a big role. Wake Forest, you know, another highly ranked high school team for us this year. Uh, I think he knows who he is at the plate. Uh, you know, line drive guy going to spray it around, and, and you, he runs good, uses speed on the base pass. Uh, but I think he, he kind of gives us, a you know, a true center fielder uh, going down there. And uh, the other he, guys he was that- a guy. He was a guy that at border battle stood out, and he ran a good 60. So I don't want to downplay a 60 because the 60 was good but he plays a lot faster than a 60 time. <clears throat> and he's a guy that may not hit his top end run speed until he's 22, 23, 24 and really matures into his frame because of the twitch that he has. So, you know, you may put, you know, a 60 run grade on him now with a 70 future. And we may look up in a couple of years ago, you know, it's a 70 run, maybe it's a 75 run future um, because he does, he plays at that faster pace when he's in the outfield, when he's going first to third, then he does just in a true straight line 60. And his 10 and 30 yard splits are really good. Um, the other outfielder for us is a left handed hitter out of Pro 5 Academy, Zach Bender. Yeah, Team Carolina trials at Campbell. Uh, you know, hit a couple balls out, uh, can, can really backspin the ball and drive it to his pull side. Uh, I think the, the swing is going to play moving forward, and uh, he's got some arm strength from the outfield as well. Yeah, that was our last event trying to ID guys for this for this team. And, um, you know, you had pushed a little bit to make sure we had some slots open because we had Caden Morris jump out of nowhere last year and make this club. And I think that was a good move with, you know, making sure we had some slots open as we got to that July 6th date. <clears throat> Saw Zach, you know, obviously he fits. He's, he's, he's a guy that college coaches need to see. Our final position player is a catcher. Um can also pitch, not scheduled to pitch for us down there, but has arm strength uh, and, and a bigger frame for some of the catchers of what we've taken down there in the past. Aiden Wall out of Ledford High School. Yeah, you know, long athletic frame. 
you know, he's he's got room to grow into his body as well. But arm strength and bat speed, you know, he's, yep. he's got those tools. And, um, you know, I think he's flashed consistency with them at times. And anytime you, you know, you're that long, it, it takes more time to sync some of that up. And uh, I think it's going to really click for him at some point. And I hope it does next week in Georgia. Yeah, I'm, I'm excited about this group going down there. We're going to play California on day one after our uh, workout day, day one. Then Thursday, Friday, Saturday, we're going to play California, Team Mid-Atlantic, which is Virginia and Maryland, and then Team Florida. Um, <clears throat> we've seen Mid-Atlantic and Florida in the past because we've been we've been pulled with them. First shot at seeing California. I've gone through their roster a little bit in the past, and they've always kind of brought some scrappy little guys that can play multiple positions. But I think uh, less uh, less has gotten a better feel for you know uh, getting players early so that they can get their flights booked and get out to Lake Point, and he's bringing a physical bunch. And then we know what we're going to see with Virginia and Maryland. We know Florida is going to have players, even as many commitments as they have, and guys are off the board. They're still going to bring you know really polished, uh, competitive players. So I'm looking forward to the bracket. I'm looking forward to seeing these guys kind of teed up and, and compete a little bit and see who who lights up a little bit when we've been punched in the mouth. Yeah, you know, we're definitely going to see good arms. Um I look for. I think our hitters will be up for that challenge and seeing how we compete. And you know, we we typically pitch it very well down there. And uh, look forward to seeing the the staff we've assembled. And always a fun week. Uh, a lot of talent, a lot going on, and uh, it's it's fun to see those guys, you know, come together and get to know each other a little bit and and have fun for a few days. I know we we've talked about this in the past, but <clears throat> it's going to be hot. Guys are going to have to. Um, you know, really take care of their bodies, eat, sleep. And we're fortunate enough that, you know, with our podcast here, we've gotten involved with a company with Liquid IV um, that it has a chance to help guys in these types of atmospheres. You know, being able to recover, being able to play a second, a third, a fourth day in a row. Um, you know, for me, myself, I've gotten a chance to know the company a little bit. Um, I've, I've tried the product. Um, you know, it's convenient packaging. It's, it's easy to use. You just dump it into a uh, – for me, I, I use bottles of water, a little bit of a shake, and then bang. And it, it's got the, – the hydration power is a lot more than what it is with just water. So, um, you know, it's 12 delicious, refreshing flavors to keep your hydration routine exciting. Contains five essential vitamins, B3, B5, B6, B12, and vitamin C, and three times the electrolytes of traditional sports drinks. Uh, premium ingredients, no GMO free of uh, gluten, dairy, and soy. So if, if hydration's an issue, you have interest in looking up uh, Liquid IV, we would encourage you to do that. And you can get 20% off when you go to liquidiv.com and use the promotion code PBRNC23 at checkout. Again, that's 20% off anything you order when you shop Better Hydration today using promo code at liquidiv.com. And that promo code is PBRNC23. Um, you know, and it happens every year, Matt, we'll have some guys that, that will struggle with the heat a little bit. So, you know, hopefully we're actually going to have a conference call with them later today. And it's one of the things we're going to talk about is, you know, go ahead and start hydrating now. And I think it's, it's a good, it's a good tool for everybody that's, that's playing out in these summers or, I know we got a bunch of football players and dual guys are starting to get ready to go into their, their summer workouts and their fall workouts. So, you know, allowing that body to stay hydrated allows that body to compete at higher levels day three, day four, day five. Yeah, and you you know you can really see it with some of those guys from the upper Midwest and 
um, upper West coast that come down and haven't been that in, in the heat or don't play in it very often. And, uh, you know, it kind of hits you a little bit if it's your first time down there. Yeah. I'm waiting to see how the California kids react because <clears throat> we're getting them on day two. So day one, there's a little bit of excitement. There's some, there's, there's some stress with day one, just because you feel like you have to prepare and, and play so well in a short little quick, quick look. And you're at the field for two to two and a half hours, <clears throat> but you're really only getting a couple swings, running a 60 and then taking some ground balls and you're really out of there. But there's a lot of expended energy on that day. We turn around and play them the next day. And I think we got them in the midday. Um, and so we'll see if they, if they are coming from that, you know, that low key, it was, uh, like, it's a dry heat out there. That's Arizona. I don't know that I've been to California. I don't think they get the, the humidity we get, though. No no humidity. Uh, they, they may need to be more worried about staff. You know, those kids come in and you know, they're for a couple hours, and we got the, the junior guys, too, so it's all day for us. So <laughs> we, we feel it a little bit more. There's there's no doubt that our staff will be hurting on day two and day three because <laughs> we're going to swing the fungo and throw more BP than we do. It's, we do an event once a week or twice a week. Now we got four days in a row. There's no doubt that we'll we'll be we'll be uh, limping out of there. So, hey, let's move forward. I know last week we, we had a chance to really dive in and break down um, the 2023 MLB draft. <clears throat> 43 players that were connected to North Carolina currently, meaning they were in high school or college in North Carolina at the time of the draft. 43 of those guys selected. Most of them are in, eventually signing. Just tracking what's happening with signings. Um, really good job by our area scouts, IDing, and then um, you know figuring out who will sign, who won't sign, things of that sort, and so that they're they're maximizing their draft picks. Um, any any thoughts as you had a, a week to kind of look back at the twenty threes, and you're starting to see some of these signings come off before we start talking about the twenty fours and what could happen next year. Uh, I think you're seeing a, a lot more. Not so much about the rounds guys go in. There's a lot of guys getting, you know, top three round money uh, yeah. going later with how some of the teams are managing it. And then uh, I think there's some colleges in the area that got to be pretty happy with, uh, you know, what they're getting on campus that, you know, heavily scouted guys. And, uh, you know, at times you probably thought they were going to sign and they're going to show up and play, play college baseball for three years and, and help a lot of programs in our area. And I don't know about you, but with me, I'm still in that mode of, of 40 rounds. You know, it, 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 the numbers in my head don't work yet with 20 rounds. And so when we put a grade on a guy that says, hey, he's a fifth, eighth rounder, you know, and you're looking at going, okay, as long as he doesn't do something just obscene with his number, he's going to be signed. He's going to have that chance. But, you know, honestly, they're probably drafting in round 20 a bunch of guys that have eight to ten round numbers on them. In, in terms of their grade, it's just they're, you're trying to put grades on guys, and you see, you know, as guys are going through that first round, I thought MLB TV did a great job in terms of talking about how this guy projects. And really, you get in the second round, and now we're talking about he projects as a backup catcher. He's a big league backup. And, you know, that, but that's his number, that's his grade. And so now trying to project out where do these guys sit in the fifth to eighth round. And as we get into the twentieth round, or drafting guys with eighth to ten round, eighth to ten tenth round numbers on them, you know. But what does that really mean about that player? You know, that eighth to tenth round grade is really a, he's he's a he's a program, he's an org guy. You know, he's a guy that's there to make the organization run so that their top prospects are getting reps. And if a couple of those guys develop and get to the big leagues, it's a great story. 
Um, but I think with, with what scouts are figuring that out is they're taking less risk. And the college guy is a less risky guy because I've seen I've got more history with him. So I'm willing to take more of those guys with that eighth to tenth round grade than I am the high school guy. I think the college guy probably eventually, especially with seniors, is a lot cheaper than the high school guy as well. Yeah, definitely a lot cheaper. And college guys are, you know, you can you can stick them in a ball, and like you said, they can fill the roster to to play with the the prospects. And you know, high school guys are you're probably going to spend at least a year in in Florida, Arizona, in the in the complex league, and uh, it takes them a little longer to adapt, not only to the to the game, but also the the professional lifestyle where uh, college guys, you know, you can slide them in a ball and they'll, they'll hold their own just fine for the most part. I thought one of the one of the neat things I heard, one of the draft stories I heard, was talking about Zach Nato, <clears throat> who's a Florida player who went to Campbell for three years, was a first rounder out of Campbell by the by the Angels, and he's a little undersized. But he put up numbers at Campbell. He put up numbers in the Cape. He put up numbers every summer. Um, he, he showed an ability to play shortstop at a high level. And he was a little awkward with his swing. If you're really watching him, though, he got all of this, all this movement got out of the way early. And, you know, when he really get down to basics, when he got to his launch position, he looked like a lot of really good hitters. He just had a lot of things in, his, in, the, in the way to get there. And in drafting him, the Angels put him in a situation with a bunch of ground ball pitchers. And I, and I don't know that that was a, a thought process, the Angels, or it just happened to line up. But, you know, in his first couple months in the minors, he was getting a ton of plays. And so night after night after night, the Angels are seeing he can play shortstop. He can play shortstop at a higher level. He can play shortstop at a higher level. He can play shortstop at a higher level. And so they were able to advance him really quickly Still a little worried. Is the swing ever going to get to the point where he's not getting that stuff out of the way and big leaguers start to take advantage of him? But the biggest thing was defensively, they knew he he was their best shortstop. He gave them the best chance to win with, with Otani and with Trout in the lineup. That was our best chance to play shortstop and, and see if we can't get this thing rolling. And having him in a situation in the minors where they had so many ground ball guys they got him reps, and the organization got a great feel for what he really truly graded out-wise um, as at shortstop at the big league level. Yeah, that's an incredible story with with him. And uh, like you said, a lot of people would have wrote him off with the movement or the swing or, you know, doubted it. And all he did was was hit, you know, he'd go to summer ball and hit, hit in college. And, uh, you know, he's – He's done outstanding, and, and to make it as, as fast as he has is, is very impressive. Let's move to the 2024s. And at this time of year, uh, I think you you updated our, our 2024 rankings, um, and our staff looked through them early May, mid-May, um, which seems like light years ago with the number of players that we've seen. Um, let's start here. Do we have a Walker Jenkins? Do we have a 1-1 type guy? Do we have a true, definite, definitive first-rounder on the high school board right now today in the 24 class? I do not think North Carolina has that in the in the 2024 class. Uh, I, I would agree players, with you. But, but uh, I don't know that we have a high school first-rounder. So <clears throat> we get to that, that next tier. That next tier is those guys that are um, probable draft picks if, if the number's right. You know, in that high school sense, if, if we're not – because really in the second round, you still have guys going that have first-round numbers on them at times. But if, if if the class is 
not as top-heavy in North Carolina as we've seen it at times. And we look at that next tier of guy. Who are those guys that we could be looking, you know, third to seventh round, depending on what their number is and will they sign or do they want to go to school? There's a lot of other factors that kind of factor into will they fit in the third to seventh round. But are there guys on the board that you kind of jump up and go, I think teams are going to have to really take a hard look at this guy, you know, East Coast Pro coming up, you know, into some events in the fall and then definitely as we get to the spring. Yeah, you know, you got Anderson Nance. I think he was number one in the class uh, the, with the first rankings, and uh, yep. he's still there. Yeah, uh, continues to perform. Uh, you know, velocity keeps ticking up a little bit. Uh, True Emmanuel at Wes Henderson. We know what he did for them, leading into a state title. Uh, you know, he's big, strong kid, three sport guy. Uh, he'll be in it. He'll be a guy that those scouts are seeing uh, often next spring. And then uh, Perry Hargett was at our pro case this year. Uh, strong and athletic, uh, got some tools, and uh, interesting to, to see how his fall and, uh, and and winter, you know, comes together heading into next year. And I, I think you're dead on with those are the kind of the three guys that have separated themselves a little bit. Not to say that somebody else can't have a good month here and jump up into that tier, <clears throat> but when we're looking at all three of those guys, you know, we're looking at Anderson Nance going, okay, is the fastball going to carry him far enough? Is the breaking ball going to be graded out high enough? You know, we're looking at Truett Manuel, and, and, and quite honestly, is there going to be enough reps that the, these guys have seen to really be able to put an ideal number on him without saying it's a really risky pick because he's a, he's a, he's a multi-sport guy. And, you know, that, that's, that's a great thing. We don't want to take that away from him. Because it, it does, it leaves that athleticism on the board, it leaves that, that room to the ceiling. But when guys can't tell you what the ceiling is, there's a high risk to that player. And then with Perry, you know, and I think we run into this with most high school players. I know this was said on a, on a podcast and then written about in a different publication, um, you know, by very reputable guys about Walker Jenkins was he didn't face really good pitching. And I think people in the Wilmington area took that as like a shot at them. And it wasn't. It's he didn't. You know, he faced he faced well above average high school pitching, but he didn't see guys throwing 94 to 97 with hammers. And so how is he going to react to that? So when you're you're comparing Walker Jenkins at bats, and then maybe you know Cam Fisher, who was the first baseman at Charlotte, who's third in the country in home runs. They're facing two completely different types of quality of arms. And so scouts are having to do different jobs with those guys. You know, with Perry, it's going to be the same deal. Perry's going to see some good arms in, in, in that league Metro, Metro line of Christian plays in. You know, they're going to play, you know, Charlotte Christian's got two really good young arms. They may play Huff. They may play some of these other teams in the area. But, you know, just because he sees a guy throwing 90 – doesn't mean – I mean, a 90 arm right now, let's be honest, that's a 40 grade. So it's a below average fastball, you know. And so and, and is anybody in high school in North Carolina next year, you know, going to have gonna have a 50 breaking ball? Nance, maybe. Uh, you know, Purvis, probably. Um, boy, it gets thin after that, trying to put a 50 on something. Not to, not to say that it's not going to happen, but there's still a lot of growth of these guys. So trying to evaluate hitters can be difficult – because they're they're not seeing average arms, they're seeing below average arms. Yeah, that makes it makes it really tough and leads to a lot of projection, a lot more a lot more guessing, and 
then, you know, with these high school guys, you, you got to have a pretty good feel for where they're going to profile at defensively too. And uh, if you're going to go as a high school kid, there better be a, a good chance you can stay in the middle of the field and unless right. you're projected, projecting, you know, 60, 60 or 60 plus power down the road. And I think with Perry, you, you can project him at short, but I think there will be questions because he may not play short all the time, you know, at Metrolina. He may flip over and play third because they've got um, the infielders going to Chapel – or not Chapel, going to East Carolina. Neil um, Griffin. They got Griffin, and then they've got – you know, it's it's just a good club. I mean, they've got four, five, six guys that are going to play college baseball. So saying, Perry, you have to be our short – they may be able to give him some time off. He may be able to flip over and play second, and they can use him to close on the back end. He's not a, He's not going to be a pro prospect on the bound – but if they want to save the arm a little bit, they may play him at second. And then pro guys are going to come in here and go, why do you play him short? Well, I mean, there's there's all sorts of reasons. And they'll figure that out because the guys in this area really work their tails off. Um, you know, a- after we get past Hargan, I, I do think there's one more tier of guys that have a legitimate shot at kind of moving themselves up. When you look at, you know, um, Cade Morris, you know, and, and that, that big frame and – who wants to project what 6'8 or 6'9 happens to become? Collins Black, we've seen 93 already out of him in a bullpen. Cameron Seagraves, we've seen 90, 92. We've seen some pitchability. Purvis may have one of the better breaking balls in the country. Um, Drew Downs, maybe one of the best pure hitters in the country, and he's missed some sections. So, you know, we revert back to Xavier Isaac. You know, does him missing some time – actually helping because now guys have to really come in and do their bear down, you know, this fall and this spring coming up on him, you know, um, you know, Nesta's going to Oklahoma to play football and baseball. I think Hightower is probably a really solid college guy. So when we get to about 10 and, and down, we're looking at guys that, that really project to be college guys out of, out of this group, at least for a couple of years. You see anybody different on that list as you're going, kind of going through it? Uh, you know, I think you know Ty Goodson's popped up this summer. Yeah, uh, there'll be there'll be guys in to see him. Uh, you mentioned Griffith at, at Metrolina Christian. I think uh, he's a guy people will lay eyes on. Um, Ryan Schwartz has made a jump with the reclass. He has. Um, you know, Crawford's Crawford's got the tools. Uh, yep. Does he does he put it together? Um, you know. McDuffie's, you know, one your your guy. You, you've loved yeah. him since day one. You know, he's he's interesting for me because, you know, the the frame's not developed yet, and he can really pitch. So, what does I, six months of the think, off season do? And I think that's where the pro scouts in our area make their money. Is anybody anybody that watches a lot of baseball, anybody that's a dad or a mom in the, in the twenty four class that's traveling all summer and sees these guys, can probably separate it in a bucket. Here's about seven guys that everybody knows pro scouts are going to be on. We can go down to about number 50. You know, what, what, you know John McKillop's at 44. There's going to be pro interest on him because of his state games. Um, you know, Jason Parsons Jr., you know, he can really throw when he's healthy. And, you know, uh, prayers and shout-out to Jason. I know he's going through a lot right now, but – Hoping for you know all that to, to really go through a really quick recovery uh, with what he's dealing with, um, but it, you know if he's healthy, he's a guy that pro guys need to go see him throw just so that they can say I've seen him because you don't you don't know. Um, yeah, that's what makes our area I think really dynamic is 
you look up and we look, let's look at the 23 draft. You know, we had guys that were at 90 in our, on our list as high school players. And I struggle. I went back to the list and you start looking at what, what our numbers were and what our projections were. And it would be hard to move them up off of 90, but they end up being a, an eighth rounder out of college because, you know, one of them had a position change. He went from a secondary pitcher to a primary pitcher. He put on 45 pounds, you know, and he's throwing a disappearing fastball at 95, 96 at Wingate. You know, that can happen. That doesn't mean our ranking was wrong in, tw- in, the, in 23, but it also opens up that can of if a scout sees it before everybody else sees it, his rankings can be different than ours. I love McDuffie. We can argue you know, if McDuffie should be higher than 25 in our rankings. And if you and I are sitting down and it's just me and you, I'm going to have him higher. But when it's our entire staff talking and putting these things in order and you have a bunch of different collective minds and we're putting a grade on guys and we're backing that grade up, that's where he falls. He falls at 25 going into the summer. Now, I think he's done enough. He's going to move up at the, at the end of the summer um, from what other what, what my projections were and you start seeing him trending that way. But I think there's guys on this list that we haven't talked about that we don't maybe don't have a huge background on. And I think it's going to be interesting to see who makes that jump. Who's the guy on this list that puts 70 pounds of muscle on in the next five years? And, and all of a sudden, it's it's a really high ball-to-bat ability that now is it's true power plus ball-to-bat ability. Uh, another one that comes to mind, who is the shortstop? Norby, Connor Norby. You know, you were all over that one in high school, and he, he didn't he didn't run. You know, he didn't hit home runs. He is he really a shortstop? Well, he just goes to Carolina and he just barrels every time he swings the bat. He's on the barrel, and he continues to get stronger. Continues to get stronger. Continues to get stronger. He's gonna play in the big leagues. He he's probably gonna stick in the big leagues for a bunch of time with with the Orioles because he can freaking hit. And I think there's guys that are gonna be on this list in the 24 class that are that way too. Yeah, and I think, you know, you go through our lists and there's got to be, you know, especially early on, a, a blend of the impact college guy early versus the guy who has the, the pro tools but isn't as polished yet. So you kind of balance that out, you know, a little bit. And every year you end up with a guy that's 40 to 50 who, you know, has got some tools and all of a sudden he starts getting a, a little more polished and pro guys are in to see him and uh, he's jumping up boards all over the place. So, so let's talk about that a little bit. How important is it? And you've done it at the junior college level. You've done it at the four-year level. But getting those guys, you've had guys that you've been around that are really good players that, and you don't have to name these guys, but quite honestly, you didn't like being around. You didn't mesh. It was hard to talk to them. And they were good players, but they just, they didn't take that jump. Versus the guy that really meshes with you, but also challenges you. Doesn't just take you at your word but forces you to teach. And then when you really dial in on something and it works, boy, the belief in him goes just through the roof and then the tool takes off and evolves. That meshing point, that that camaraderie, that finding the fit, how much, how important is that for a, that guy that's in that 50 to 90 range to find that fit at college, whether it's pitching coach, hitting coach, head coach, so that they continue to develop to make that next jump? It's, it's got to be one of the most important things in, in your decision-making process. I mean, we've, we've seen it enough that uh, the tool, the kid with the a loud tools goes to uh, maybe a bigger program or the wrong program. And uh, he needs to be developed, doesn't mesh with the staff. Uh, 
you know, struggles making the necessary adjustments or, or the, the staff doesn't have the patience for him to make the necessary adjustments. And, you know, he's out after a year versus uh, if you kind of get that right out of high school, you, you know, your developmental process just speeds up because, you know, you got a coaching staff with some patience and uh, guys you're comfortable with. And, you know, you go through the trial and error of development and uh, some guys really take off and make a lot of money that way. And for me as a young coach, way, 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 way back, way back when, you know, I, with Coach Scaff, and I played for Mark Scaff at Wilmington. I knew what I was getting into coaching with him. But in the recruiting process, we could not go get a bunch of guys that didn't care about academics. And typically baseball guys are higher academic guys. But you find some really, really bright people that are lazy about their academics, and they just make three O's because they're so smart. That guy – under Mark Scaff, Mark, Coach Scaff would have had his thumb on that guy from day one and would have rode his tail to the point where the guy just wanted out. That guy didn't get better for us at Wilmington early on. You know, what we had to go find guys that were going to be able to kind of handle. He was, he was so high on the academic side and so high on doing everything right academically. And at the time, he had just finished teaching at Wilmington before he got him to be a full-time head coach. He was still teaching at the university. So he took that very seriously. And if we brought guys in that didn't fit, those guys, those guys wouldn't develop. And so as a staff, we talked about that in the recruiting process. We talked about, you know, at, at Charlotte, you know, we talked about, you know, my demeanor, you know, I, I'm, I'm a little bit more of a type A personality. I have everything written out. I have every, you deal with it on a daily basis with me. You know, you probably get tired of emails and schedules and, calendars and but that that's who I am and if you can't deal with me as if you're an 18 or 19 year old you're not going to make it with me to your 20 or 21 so we had to recruit to that a little bit we would take some chances on some guys here and there you could have some outliers but it would have killed me or killed them if I had 14 of those guys one of us wouldn't have made or you know one group wouldn't have made it and I'm, I'm pretty sure <laughs> I, those ages I would have been the one that made it so <laughs> We're we're excited about future games. We're excited about get really diving into this twenty four class. I know Matt, you've got rankings coming up um, in about a month. You're going to start turning some stuff into shooter um, and starting to really dive into this stuff heavy. And then you and I and the rest of our staff will sit down and start really mincing through the twenty fours and twenty fives, getting a little bit further to know on the twenty sixes, and then you know starting to pop some twenty seven names out, which is scary. So. Um, you know, as we look forward to that, um, next week we are going to try to podcast, if our schedule allows, probably from Lake Point or from wherever it is we're staying. Um, any last comments or thoughts before we head down there to Atlanta? Uh, excited about going. I uh, hope we don't have too many lightning delays and uh, stay <laughs> somewhat on schedule. But, you know, the, the kids make it enjoyable and uh, look forward to, to being on the field and around those guys. All right. For Matt Payne, I'm Brandon Hall. This is the Prep Baseball Report of North Carolina Podcast, and we'll see you at the field. <laughs>